Chapter Twenty Four of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume One by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Four: The Four Stories. The damp, dark staircase looked still more gloomy through the fog of a November day. The entrance to each separate set of apartments in this house bore its own peculiar and distinctive character to the observant eye thus the door conducting to those of the commandant bore evidences of having been recently painted in close imitation of ebony being further set off with a brass knob rubbed up to a most dazzling brightness while a gay-coloured bell-rope finished by an enormous tassel of scarlet silk contrasted strongly with the mean and shabby wall against which it hung the door of the flight above where dwelt the female money-lender and dealer in divination was singularly characterized by the appearance of that mystical symbol of deep wisdom and oracular knowledge an owl which stuffed to resemble life as closely as the artist could contrive it was nailed on a small bracket just above the doorway while a sort of small wicket latticed with wire-work enabled all visitors to be duly scrutinized ere they were admitted the dwelling of the italian charlatan who was said to pursue such fearful avocations had likewise its whimsical mode of designating the pursuits of its occupant whose name traced in large letters formed of horses teeth upon a square blackboard was nailed to the entrance door while instead of adopting the classical agency of a deer's foot or a hare's pad for the handle of his bell there hung dangling from the cord the hand and arm of a dried ape the withered limb the shrivelled hand with its five fingers each so distinctly preserved and the articulation of every joint so clearly defined the tiny tips bearing the nails long and taper as those of a human creature presented a close and hideous resemblance to the hand and arm of a child as rodolph passed before a door so singularly indicative of all his worst suspicions he fancied he could detect the sound of smothered sobs from within then rose up a cry so full of agony of convulsive irrepressible misery a cry as if wrung from a breaking heart or the last wail of expiring nature that the whole house seemed to re-echo it rodolph started then by a movement more rapid than thought itself he rushed to the door and violently pulled the bell what is the matter sir inquired the astonished porter that cry said rodolph did you not hear it yes yes i heard it i dare say it is some person whose teeth mr bradamanti is taking out perhaps he may be taking out several and it is painful this explanation though a probable one did not satisfy rodolph as to the horrid scream which still resounded in his ears though he had rung the bell with considerable violence no person had as yet replied to his summons he could distinctly hear the shutting of several doors and then behind a small oval glass let in beside the door and on which rodolph had mechanically kept his eyes fixed he saw the haggard cadaverous countenance of a human being a mass of reddish hair strongly mixed with grey and a long beard of the same hue completed the hideous ensemble the face was seen but for an instant and vanished as quickly as though it had been a mere creation of fancy leaving rodolph in a state of perturbation impossible to describe short as had been the period of this apparition's visit he had yet in those brief instants recalled features precisely similar and forever engraved on his memory the eyes shining with the colour and brilliancy of the aquamarina beneath their bushy sandy eyebrows the livid complexion the nose thin projecting and curving like an eagle's beak with its nostrils so curiously expanded and carved out till they exposed a portion of the nasal cartilage 
resembled closely a certain polidori whose name had been so unceremoniously committed by murphy in his conversation with Graun, to regions not mentionable to polite ears though rodolph had not seen polidori during the last sixteen or seventeen years he had a thousand reasons for keeping every feature well in his remembrance the only thing that told against the identity of the individual he believed existed under the disguised name of this quack dentist was the circumstance of his having red hair while the polidori of rodolph's acquaintance had almost black that rodolph experienced no wonder always supposing his conjectures as to the identity correct at finding a man whose profound learning rare talent and vast intelligence he well knew sunk to such a degradation it might even be infamy was because he knew equally well that all these high attainments and noble gifts were allied to such entire perversity such wild and irregular passions inclinations so corrupt and above all and affected scorn and contempt for the opinion of the world which might lead this man when want and misery overtook him to seek from choice the lowest and least honourable pass of subsistence and to enjoy a sort of malevolent satisfaction in the idea of him the talented the learned burying all these precious treasures beneath the ignoble calling to which he had devoted his vast powers of mind and body still be it remembered that spite of the close resemblance between the charlatan surgeon dentist and the polidori of bygone years there still existed discrepancies so great that rodolph balanced in deep uncertainty respecting their proving to be one and the same person at length turning to biplet he inquired how long has this monsieur bradamanti been an inmate of this house about a year sir as nearly as i can remember yes it is a year i recollect he took the lodgings in the january quarter oh he is a very regular and exact lodger he cured me of a desperate attack of rheumatism madame pipelet was telling me of the reports which are circulated of him how could she be so foolish nay pray do not fear me i assure you i may safely be trusted but really sir rejoined pipelet i do not think there is the least dependence to be placed in such reports i do not believe them for one i never can believe them my modesty would not let me added m pipelet turning very red and preceding his new lodger to the floor above the more resolved upon clearing up his doubts in proportion to the very great annoyance he felt that the residence of polidori in the same house would prove to him and becoming momentarily more disposed to affix a painful solution to the enigma of the piercing cry he had heard from the apartments of the italian rodolph bound himself by a rigid promise to investigate the matter so as to place it beyond the power of a doubt and followed the porter to the upper floor where was situated the chamber he was desirous of engaging it was easy to ascertain the abode of his next-door neighbour mademoiselle rigolette thanks to the charming gallantry of the painter pipelet's mortal foe the door of her chamber was ornamented after the manner of watteau with a panel design representing about half a dozen fat little chubby loves grouped round a space painted sky-blue and on which was traced in pink letters mademoiselle rigolette dressmaker these plump little cupids had all a task to perform besides encircling this important announcement one held the thimble of mademoiselle rigolette upon his tiny finger another held her scissors a third was provided with a smoothing iron for her use whilst a fourth held up a mirror as if to tempt the young sempstress to forsake her work for the more gratifying view of her own pretty countenance 
the whole was surrounded with a well-chosen wreath of flowers whose gay colours contrasted agreeably with the sea-green colour of the door the whole offering a very unfavourable contrast to the mean and shabby-looking staircase at the risk of opening anew the bleeding wounds of alfred rodolph ventured to observe while pointing to the door of mademoiselle rigolette this i suppose is the work of m cabrion it is he destroyed the painting of the door by daubing it over with a parcel of fat indecent children he called his loves had it not been for the entreaties of mademoiselle rigolette and the weakness of m bras rouge i would have scratched it all off as well as this palette filled with horrid monsters with their equally abominable master whom you can see drawn amongst them you may know him by his steeple-crowned hat and there sure enough on the door of the room rodolph was about to hire might be seen a palette surrounded by all kinds of odd and whimsical creatures the witty conceit of which might have done honour to callot rodolph followed the porter into a tolerably good-sized room accessible by a small entrance closet or antechamber having two windows opening into the rue du temple some fantastic sketches from the pencil of m cabrion on the second door had been scrupulously respected by m germain rodolph saw too many reasons for desiring to obtain this lodging to hesitate further therefore modestly placing a couple of francs in the hand of the porter he said this chamber will exactly suit me here is a deposit to complete the bargain to-morrow i will send in my furniture but let me beg of you not to destroy the merry creatures painted on the palette at the entrance it is really very droll don't you think so droll groaned poor pipelet not i ah sir how would you like to dream night after night that you were being hunted by a legion of little ugly devils like these on the door with cabrion at their head urging them on and then fancying you are trying to get away and cannot oh i have woke all in a perspiration from such dreams hundreds of times since that infamous cabrion began persecuting me why honestly speaking i cannot say the chase would be a very agreeable one even though but a dream however tell me have i any need to see m bras rouge your great man here about renting this apartment none whatever sir he rarely comes near the place except when he has any private matters to arrange with mother burette i am the only person to treat with about hiring apartments i must beg the favour of your name rodolph rodolph what plain rodolph monsieur pipelet nothing more if you please just as you please sir i did not ask from curiosity every man has a right to his own free will as well as to decide upon the name he chooses to be called what do you think monsieur pipelet as to the propriety of my going to-morrow as a new neighbour of morel's to inquire whether i can be of any service to them since my predecessor monsieur germain was permitted to assist them according to his means why should they not accept of what trifling help i can afford why sir i see no harm in your going to call on the morels because it may please the poor things but i hardly see much good it can do as they are so shortly to be turned out of the house then as if suddenly struck with a new idea m pipelet exclaimed winking at rodolph with what he intended should be a very facetious and penetrating look i see i see you mean to begin making acquaintance with the lodgers at the top of the house that you may be able to work your way down to mademoiselle rigolette 
ah i have found you out you see pretty girl well i think you have discovered my intentions so i will confess at once that i mean to try and be on friendly terms with my agreeable neighbour there is no harm in that sir it is customary only all correct all right and honourable you understand between you and me i strongly suspect mademoiselle rigolette heard us coming upstairs and that she is watching to have a look as we go down i will make a noise purposely in locking the door if you look sharp you will see her as we pass the landing and true to the porter's suspicions the door so tastefully enlivened by the fat cupids a la Watteau, was seen to open gently and rodolph had a brief view of a little turned-up nose and a pair of large staring black eyes peeping through the narrow space but as he slacked his steps the door was hastily shut i told you she was watching us said the porter then added excuse me one instant sir i want to step up to my warehouse where is that at the top of this ladder is the landing-place on which the door of morel's garret opens and in the wainscoting of this landing is a small dark cupboard where i keep my leather and the wall is so full of cracks that when i am in this hole i can see and hear everything the same as if i was in morel's room not that i wish to spy what the poor creatures are about god knows quite the contrary but please to excuse me for a few minutes sir whilst i fetch my bit of leather if you will have the goodness to go downstairs i will rejoin you and so saying pipelet commenced ascending the steep ladder communicating with his warehouse as he styled it a somewhat perilous feat for a person of his age rodolph thus left alone cast another glance towards the chambers of mademoiselle rigolette remembering with deep interest all he had heard of her being the favourite companion of the poor goualeuse and recalling also the information she was said to possess touching the residence of the schoolmaster's son when the sound of some person quitting the apartments of the quack doctor below attracted his attention and he could distinctly hear the light step of a female with the rustling of a silk dress rodolph paused till the sounds had died away and then descended the stairs something white had fallen about half-way down it had evidently been dropped by the person who had just quitted polidori rodolph picked it up and carried it to one of the narrow windows which lighted the staircase it was a pocket-handkerchief of the finest cambric trimmed with costly lace and bearing in one corner the initials l n beautifully embroidered and surmounted with a ducal coronet the handkerchief was literally soaked in tears rodolph's first impulse was to follow the person from whose hand this mute evidence of deep woe had fallen with the view of restoring it but reflecting that such a step might be mistaken for impertinent curiosity he determined to preserve it carefully as the first link in an adventure he found himself almost involuntarily engaged in and from which he augured a painful and melancholy termination as he returned to the portress he inquired whether a female had not just come downstairs a female no indeed sir it was a fine tall slender-looking lady not a female and covered over with a thick black veil she has come from monsieur bradamanti little tortillard fetched a coach for her and she has just driven away in it what struck me was the impudence of that little beggar to seat himself behind the coach i dare say though it was to see where the lady went to for he is as mischievous as a magpie and as prying as a ferret 
for all his club foot so then thought rodolph the name and address of this unhappy lady will soon be known to this impostor since it is doubtless by his directions she is followed and watched by this imp of an emissary well sir and what do you think of the apartment will it suit you inquired madame pipelet nothing could have suited me better i have taken it and to-morrow i shall send in my furniture well thank god for a good lodger i am sure it was a lucky chance for us sent you here i hope you will find it so madame i think it is well understood between us that you undertake to manage all my little domestic matters for me i shall come and superintend the removal of my goods adieu so saying rodolph left the lodge the results of his visit to the house in the rue du temple were highly important both as regarded the solution of the deep mystery he so ardently desired to unravel and also as affording a wide field for the exercise of his earnest endeavours to do good and to prevent evil after mature calculation he considered himself to have achieved the following results first he had ascertained that mademoiselle rigolette was in possession of the address of germain the schoolmaster's son secondly a young female who from appearances might unhappily be the marquise d'harville had made an appointment with the commandant for the morrow perhaps to her own utter ruin and disgrace and rodolph had as we have before mentioned numerous reasons for wishing to preserve the honour and peace of one for whom he felt so lively an interest as he took in all concerning m d'harville an honest and industrious artisan crushed by the deepest misery was with his whole family about to be turned into the streets through the means of bras rouge further rodolph had undesignedly caught a glimpse of an adventure in which the charlatan cesar bradamanti possibly polidori and a female evidently of rank and fashion were the principal actors and finally la chouette having lately quitted the hospital where she had been since the affair in the allée des veuves had reappeared on the stage and was evidently engaged in some underhand proceedings with the fortune-teller and female money-lender who occupied the second floor of the house having carefully noted down all these particulars rodolph returned to his house rue plumet deferring till the following day his visit to the notary jacques ferrand it will be no doubt fresh in the memory of our readers that on this same evening rodolph was engaged to be present at a grand ball given by the ambassador of before following our hero in this new excursion let us cast a retrospective glance on tom and sarah personages of the greatest importance in the development of this history End of chapter twenty four